It is possible that you have some people-pleasing type qualities, or you really are uncomfortable with conflict. Yep, that is likely a trauma response, or maybe it is the way that you learn to work in your world, and you need to have stronger conviction about this parenting plan. This parenting plan is gonna keep you and your children as safe as you can keep them, at least on paper. Do perpetrators follow parenting plans? Not really. Sometimes they do when it suits them, but at least it's written on paper. Evidence can be used in court. Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. What is the value of a really good parenting plan when you are divorcing a narcissistic and abusive ex-partner? You cannot even put a number on it. Although as I'm thinking right now, there could be a number put on it if you look at the cost of going back to court over and over again because your parenting plan is not thorough enough. So there likely is a number or an average number I could have come up with. Don't have it off the top of my head because that just came to my mind when I was talking. I'm Sybil Cummin. This is the Rising Beyond podcast. I am the creator of a community of women who have all survived domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, and most of which are going through the family court system with their abusive ex-partner and share children. I got a lot of questions and a lot, a lot of positive feedback after um, an episode that went live this summer that I did with Jan and Jillian. They are from Divorce Family Mediations on some tips to close the loopholes in your parenting plans. And many of the responses gave me some thank yous. Some had more questions. Some people seem to be extremely anxious because they're creating a parenting plan and they maybe don't have the finances to hire someone to help or they don't feel like their attorney did a good job or whatever it may be. So I thought I'd hop on and do another episode on parenting plans with some tips, especially if you are right in the beginning. Because very often at the point in which you separate, you may not know how abusive your partner is. You may have these thoughts. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably having some thoughts like maybe they're abusive. It's probably not domestic violence, though. I don't know. And you might even have this belief that if you go to family court and you tell the truth, people are just going to see it. And the judges and all these you know, well-paid people are just going to see what's going on 
and they're going to do the right thing. Nope. Unfortunately, that is not mostly the case. Sometimes it's the case and there are some amazing professionals, but for the most part, that is not what family court looks like. And so, so many of you and the women that I work with walk away devastated after that initial temporary orders hearing or their initial you know, mediation where they're trying to plan a proposal that really is in the child's best interest and they feel defeated. So if you're in that camp, you are just now separating. Maybe you're not sure if your partner's abusive, but you have some inklings. If you wonder about the safety of your children being alone with your partner, unsupervised, during visitation, overnight, they're likely abusive and you need a really tight parenting plan. So if that is you, take some notes. You can re-listen to this as much as possible. Let's just, we're just going to dig in. So the first thing I want to share is just really these parenting plans, you need to take your time. You may feel pressured to create a parenting plan right after separation because your partner is saying something like, well, I need to see the kids. You need to, you know, send the kids to me, or I'm not going to agree to leave the house until we've come up with our parenting plan. If you are in that boat and you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to leave the house or I I need you to leave. Like I just need them to leave. I can't live like this anymore. It is possible you will jump right in and do the quickest parenting plan. The problem with that is loophole, 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 loophole. And then it's really hard later to define and to kind of prove why you need a really thorough plan later. Hey, you were okay with this two months ago. Why aren't you okay with it now? And if there wasn't any tangible incidents that you have evidence for in that time, it's really hard to prove why you need something more. So that's why your first go at it needs to be as strong as possible. So your focus is on being as thorough as possible. You are going to do the like parenting plan for dummies where every little something is spelled out. That is how thorough that you are going to be because I want you to feel confident leaving mediation or, you know, you have it reviewed by your attorney or you leave temp orders and you really feel good that you know what to expect and that you've done everything you can do, and now it's on paper and signed by you and your ex-partner. So first step, I guess, other than taking your time, is it is possible that you have some people-pleasing type qualities, or you really are uncomfortable with conflict. Yep, that is likely a trauma response, or maybe It is the way that you learn to work in your world and you need to have stronger conviction about this parenting plan. This parenting plan is going to keep you and your children as safe as you can keep them, at least on paper. Do perpetrators follow parenting plans? Not really. Sometimes they do when it suits them, but at least it's written on paper. Evidence can be used in court. So the reason I say to get over some of that people-pleasing in this moment is because a lot of attorneys are going to kind of just do the minimum. 
like, oh, here's a parenting plan. And they may even say parenting time is, you know, Monday through Wednesday, this time to this time. And then, you know, there's all these different days of parenting plan schedules. That's a whole nother episode that I need to do on like what's developmentally appropriate for different ages. But then they will say, like, say there's you're like, well, what happens when there's no school? What happens when they're sick? What happens when? And your attorney might want to put in this parenting plan, the parties will discuss X, Y, and Z. No, 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 no. Think about trying to discuss anything important with your abusive partner. How does that go? It doesn't go. It causes so much conflict. You maybe will give in where you feel like you shouldn't give in. And if you don't give in and you hold your boundary, then there's going to be major consequences and repercussions. So in our parenting plans, we do not want to have anything where it's the parties will discuss the extra parenting time or switching of weekends or extracurriculars. No, the parties are not going to discuss anything, most likely. So they may kind of push for that. They may push against a really thorough parenting plan because they may feel like you are going to present as the controlling abusive one. And if that is the messaging of your ex-partner, it's something to look at. And remember, this is a negotiation. So say you're negotiating on the price of a car and they come at you with this car is $10,000 and it's actually worth like four. Okay, if they came at you with, yeah, so I think this car is, I don't know, it's maybe worth like $6,000. Do you think they're more likely to negotiate? <laughs> yes. Are they willing to negotiate if they come in at 10? They are, but they are in a better position to negotiate. So you just want to be in a better position to negotiate. And through the way you're going to write the parenting plan, you're basically calling them out on all their crap. And they aren't going to like that. But then it's like in court record, right? Attorneys have it. A mediator will see it. And the goal is to get the negotiation to where you are comfortable and your children are safe. Comfortable is maybe not the best word because I'm not sure that is a feeling. So if you feel like, no, the attorneys always know more than me or they feel like this person of authority, and so you feel little and small, and you don't feel like sharing your voice, they may not be the right attorney for you. They might know more about the law, but they don't know more about your ex-partner. You know about your ex-partner. You know what their wins would be. Is it money? Is it to get you out of the house? Is it that the children do X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever activity, like what is their, what would they consider a win? You know that. You absolutely know that. And so you know your ex, you know where the negotiations are going to be harder. And then guess what? They work for you. You're paying them so much money. They work for you. If you have a good rapport with your attorney and they can give you some really good reasons why certain things in the parenting plan aren't beneficial, absolutely listen, right? And you still need to know your line in the sand. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. So what is going to cause the most problems in your parenting plan? 
all the things around decision-making. Those are the areas where emotions come in. Can the child get mental health treatment? Who makes decisions about X, Y, and Z? What does that look like? There will be, you know, fights about money. Those are usually a little bit earlier on, but guess what? What if it's about money around extracurricular activities? Or what extracurricular activities they are allowed to do on whose time, right? So you need to know kind of where do you think they are going to file the motion to fight you, right? Because if your parenting plan is really good, they don't have as many options to bring you back to court. And on the flip side, you don't have to bring them back to court, Okay, you might if they're, you know, in contempt of all the things, but it really limits that. So that's why these parenting plans are so important. So what are some tips that I can share with you about parenting plans? Again, this is, there's a lot of information in creating your parenting plans. Some of them are really lengthy, so many paragraphs long, so much detail, which I appreciate. And this is why attorneys don't want to do them. But here's just some basic tips, especially if you're just starting out. So the first one, I say the most important, but who knows, they're all important, is even though you're creating this parenting plan right now, you actually need your parenting plan to plan for your child growing older. It needs to be a progressive plan. So say your kiddo is two. And so they're not in school yet. Maybe they're in childcare and you'll have a lot of that stuff, but they probably don't have a lot of extracurricular activities at two. But guess what? This parenting plan will be in effect forever. And so you need to be planning ahead for what is it going to look like when my child is in school? What is it going to look like when they're interested in gymnastics? What is it going to look like? right? When they are going to college, when they're getting a car, all of these things we actually have to look at even when our kids are babies, because these are all reasons why you will have to go back to court. Or maybe you decide not to go back to court, but then you are going to like foot the bill for everything. And likely there's been some financial abuse. And so you may not have the funds. So you're planning not just for now, not just for the next year, you are planning for the long term. Attorneys, your ex-partner, their attorney, even mediators will be like, "Uh, we don't need to talk about college right now because your child is two. Well, let's get some ideas down on paper. We can always come back and this can be in your parenting plan about when are you going to review the parenting plan, but courts don't want you back for that every year, right? So you are at least planning five years out, at least. I recommend planning as far as you can because if you have this plan, there's there's not as many issues later. There's not as many questions later. Do not assume anything. <laughs> Do not really assume anything. This is tip number two. Don't assume that they or anyone else is going to look at things from a logical perspective. When have they been logical in the past? Probably never. So this is kind of really helpful when you're talking about holiday times or 
visitation times or something like that, you are going to be, you're going to dumb it down, like dumb it down, doing things like what is the start time of the visit for Thanksgiving? What is the end time? Who's doing transportation? What if, you know, you're like, what if they have school? What if they don't have school that day? What if they're sick? Who takes care of them? Who takes off time from work if they're sick? Uh, My guess is if you've been the main childcare provider, which you probably have, it would seem incredulous. Is that the right word? Incredulous, I'm going to use it, to them to think that they might have to take a day off from work to care for a sick child. Uh, Guess what, sir? If it's on your parenting time, that's your job. You have to take the day off from work last minute. That's how it works, right? But you actually have to put these things down in the plan because they haven't done the thing like ever. And so they literally don't know. So we can't assume they know anything. We can't assume they know anything about your child. We can't assume that they know anything about the school, anything about anything. And I'm not saying to be their secretary. This is something totally different, a whole nother ballgame. But as you're creating your parenting plan, just remember that they don't know anything. Don't assume that they know anything or they'll be logical. Along with that, you, probably because you already are, are going to be super proactive with the schedule. So in most school districts, the schedule for next school year is already out. Or if maybe your child is, you know, like three, four, and they're going to be going into school, you can get a really good idea about what the school schedule is going to be like. And you're going to have that with you, like on hand as you are talking about scheduling. It's not your fault or your responsibility for them to know the school schedule, right? But if you have it, then you can set the calendar in a way that will be helpful to you. And they can cry about it later, but bummer on them. So be really proactive with a schedule as you're doing this. So when is winter break start? When does it end? What does their summer break look like? Do they have random days off? Like I swear my kids are like never in school. They always have these random days off from school. These are all things that you need to look at ahead of time for the next year as you're doing this. Because again, we're not, right? You're looking at this year's schedule. How long does it take before your divorce decree is final? Oh, dear Lord. Some of them take 18 months, right? And so if you did their school schedule for the parenting plan for this year, it's already passed. So then you are needing to update things like scheduling. So just be really proactive with that. And then the final tip, and this is, you know, easier said than done, but that I want you to know, and I guess it's like a two-parter, but number one is know your line in the sand. And you need to keep your attorney in line with your line in the sand. So you may like shoot high with this parenting plan and you know, put in the plan, like your initial draft, what you want as your initial negotiating space. Clearly, if you put dad will not get to see the child ever, or the other parent doesn't have any say in anything. Okay, that's ideal. And that's not going to fly. 
right? So we are doing it in good faith, even though they will not be doing it in good faith. But that, what does that good faith mean? Good faith means I am looking at what is in the best interest of my child, and I am not deliberately trying to harm the relationship between my child and the other parent. I think that's what good faith means to me in this moment. So you need to know your line in the sand. If specific scheduling or specific holidays are really important to you or religious practices or those kinds of things, know your line in the sand and let your attorney know. Because then that's not something that you're going to negotiate with, I guess, if that means like you may have to fold in other areas if that is the most important thing to you. And then as you're doing that, you can let your attorney know what you predict your ex-partner is going to harp on. What aren't they going to like about your plan? They're not going to like anything about your plan, actually. But what are going to be the big key factors? So it might be the financial piece, like who pays for certain things. Child support. Hello, there's a child support calculator, right? There's the thing. But who's going to cover the cost of car insurance? Who's going to cover the cost of health insurance? Who's going to cover the costs of braces that's outside of your dental insurance or whatever it might be? The financial piece may be their sticking point. Maybe they're disagreeing on the assets, you know, value or, or something like that. But you probably know. You probably know what they're going to have the most feelings about. And so you need to let your attorney know those also so that your attorney can be proactive and know where they can negotiate and where they can't. So if you are listening and your anxiety is through the roof or you're beating yourself up because your parenting plan is complete shit and it does not have anything designated and everywhere in every paragraph, it's like the parties will discuss X, Y, and Z. And you're like kicking yourself because you're like, oh my gosh, no, don't worry. There will be times to tighten things up. You may have to wait for it and you may have to figure out your boundaries and lines in the sand and can you do it outside of court? But there are things you can do. If your anxiety is through the roof because you just separated and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. This sounds horrifying. Don't worry about these things because we have a project that is currently being planned that the Rising Beyond team is really excited about. And we know that it is going to help so, so many survivors prevent some of the post-separation abuse that is so common. So stay tuned. Can't share more, right? There's your little nugget teaser, but we need to flesh some things out before we kind of make the announcement. But know that there's some stuff coming. If you have questions in the meantime, shoot me an email, reach out on social and DM me. Again, my email is info at risingbeyondpc.com. And yeah, I hope this was helpful. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Rising Beyond podcast. If you're healing from relationship abuse, and are looking for support and sisterhood during this journey, I'd love to invite you to the Rising Beyond community, where you will get expert guidance, connection with others going through similar experiences, and a safe place where you'll always feel seen, heard, and believed. To learn more and to join, go to www. 
risingbeyondpc.com. We'd love to be a part of your healing journey.